everyone, and thank you for listening to the 15th ever and special 2018 basketball preview episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Rebel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing great because we're talking basketball. It's basketball season, and we're doing a little special episode, so just very exciting all around. Yeah, I figured um, since basketball season is literally here, um, we should probably talk about them because we've been so sucked into the football season so far, and I didn't necessarily want to have a two-hour-long episode, so um, we'll have a special episode. This is going to come out, well, if you're listening to this, you know it came out on Monday, (laughs) so uh, hopefully you got to listen to it before the first game, but if not, um, the first game probably isn't going to change too much about what we think about this upcoming season, so... Mm -hmm. Um, we'll just, uh, jump right in. We're going to, uh, talk about the, the team, going to recap a little bit of last year, talk about the players, what we expect out of them, uh, take a look at the schedule, kind of give our predictions for the record at the end of the year. And then at the end, stick around cause we're going to do kind of like we did with football. If you listen to that, we did a seven on seven draft. Now we're going to do a three on three draft, sort of like NBA jam or NBA street, depending on how old you are, I guess. So, um, without further ado, last year, Missouri had a pretty um, remarkable season, um, everything being equal, because they went 20-13, and 13, um, pretty big rebound from the previous season, and um, that season culminated in a loss to Florida State in the first round of the NCAA tournament. So, um, yeah, we know, uh, we know the drama of last year. So 20 and 13, I think, was a pretty fortunate outcome, considering all things considered. I was about to ask you, well, did the, did last season you you would consider it a success Absolutely. based on your preseason, even based on your preseason expectations? Mm, preseason, if, if if Michael Porter Jr. is healthy, yeah, I would say that it was probably on par with what I thought it would yeah, be. I would say so. So the fact that that we lost him and still made the NCAA tournament and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we were right there. So, and I probably think more highly of Conzo Martin, with all things considered, than I would if we went twenty and thirteen with Michael Porter Jr. Sure. Yeah, I think uh, last season, before any of that news or anything, I pegged them at around. I really thought a good prediction, including the SEC tournament, was about twenty-four wins. Um, I did have them winning a couple games in the SEC tournament, so um, only dipping down to twenty, it was pretty successful in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, this season, Missouri starts out as the 43rd ranked team in Ken Palm. That, uh, those rankings came out before uh, Jonte's injury news. Um, the way he does his rankings, it's all statistical, st- statistically based. So an injury like that until it shows up on the court isn't really going to make a difference in his rankings. So um, that'll be interesting to look at. I like using Ken Palm to sort of track how a team is doing, and they have pretty good forecasting for looking at matchups. So... Uh, but 43rd ranked in the preseason, it's the best they've been in a while, um, definitely in the last four or five years. So. It's about where they ended the season last year, exactly, right? Exactly, yeah, they ended at 40th. Um, let's first talk about what Missouri's losing from last year. So they're losing their top three scorers, um, Cassius Robertson, Jordan Barnett, and now John Tay Porter were the uh, top three scorers from last season. They made up 54% of the team's overall scoring. So, Yikes. Yeah. Yeah, uh, definitely losing Cassius is huge because uh, what, I, what I don't know that this team has is kind of a guy that's just going to 
like save us in some of those just kind of go get baskets yes the kind of those moments where we're you know in a drought and we're the lead starting to slip or something like that where Cassius would just put up some ridiculous three and it would go in I'm not sure that this team has that guy on it uh, maybe it will but it it hurts losing him a lot there's no apparent person to sort of replace that production yeah and Jonte would have really. been that person yeah. but obviously we know that story so yeah, and with those three guys, you're also looking at three of the best three-point shooters from last season, and that is something that if you're just looking at this roster, you do not see that anywhere, mm-hmm. that that three-point production. Yeah, and so, yeah, we don't, we don't have a whole lot of three-point production, and there's not a whole lot of inside scoring either. If, you know, if uh, Jeremiah Tillman is in foul trouble, you know, Kevin Perrier might be reliable, but there's really, like, nobody – on the inside or outside that's just like yeah we know we can get like points here any possession yeah when when you know a couple of weeks ago we were looking at you know some pretty solid you know returning pieces basically if you're just counting Jonte and jeremiah down low with kevin Perrier off the bench and jordan geist you kind of see a good foundation of right. returning talent and just losing one of those guys that happened to be the best one right just sort of through a lot of question marks out there right and Jonte is just that guy that makes everybody better so mm-hmm. I'm, exactly. I'm not I'm not sure that Jeremiah is ready to be the leader on this team that he's going to have to be now but I think that Jeremiah would have been a lot scarier with Jonte mm-hmm. down there yeah uh and now it's just kind of like oh, I don't know if we can count, Jer- <laughs> count and, on Jeremiah and Jonte played some of his best ball at the four spot with Jeremiah Tillman on the floor especially mm-hmm. defensively his I saw an article where his defensive numbers were considerably better when he was playing at the four with Jonte oh, yeah. at the five mm-hmm. uh, versus anchoring the defense as the, the primary post player. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, everybody benefited when Jonte was on the floor. Um, I think even with him, though, I was probably looking at this team probably not getting to 20 wins. Yeah. I might be more pessimistic than some of the other people I've been seeing on the Internet, but I I didn't really see them getting to 20 wins. I thought maybe 20 would be... There's a ceiling. ceiling. Yeah. Yeah, I'm right there with you as well. I think uh I think Jonte was probably responsible for he could be the difference in three to five games, yeah. three to five wins. Right. Um, but uh yeah, I, I struggle to uh I struggle to see them getting to twenty with with Jonte. Yeah. Um Missouri also lost some pieces, uh some guards. They lost Blake Harris and CJ Roberts to transfers and um Cullen Van Leer, obviously we know about him and his medical retirement from basketball. And then um, also Terrence Phillips, who we expected to be coming into a senior season. He was just dismissed from the team. So there's four guards that are just gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, uh, if, you've, if you listen to the previous episode of this podcast where we focused more on football, obviously this is a basketball-only episode, but we talked about Drew Smith and his um, issues with the transfer rules in the NCAA. And I just have to point out the fact that Blake Harris played 14 games last year for Missouri and is playing day one at NC State. C.J. Roberts did not play in a single game last year for Missouri, and he's going to sit out this entire season at Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. How does that make any sense? It doesn't. <laughs> it absolutely doesn't. And, uh, well, actually... To be completely honest, I'm not even sure C.J. Roberts is on Texas Tech's roster. He doesn't show up on their online roster for their team, which usually transfers do. Um, But I saw in an article when I was kind of doing some hunting for him that 
he was going to be sitting out this season. So okay. I'm not sure where he stands with Texas Tech, but whatever the case is, he's not playing them yeah. for them this season, whether he's on the team and redshirting or not. I'm mm-hmm. not sure. Um, but it's kind of a weird situation that he would not play and then also, again, not play this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so losing Terrence Phillips is, is kind of a big deal because we just assumed he would – We last year we assumed he would be the starting point guard and sort of lead the team. We saw pretty early on that that wasn't going to be the case, but kind of having that senior vocal leader to play a backup point guard at least. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guard depth is just so thin and right. young now. Just that, to have somebody that could – be reliable with the ball yeah. is is definitely not something that we are super high on right now. Don't have a lot of. Right. Um, we do have – I do think we have good leaders, though. Um, looking at the players that are coming back this season, we got to start off with Kevin Perrier, um, senior forward. He's a 1,000-point scorer from Missouri. Um, he's actually going to be the first four-year player to graduate um, at Missouri since Ryan Rosberg. And – if you go back before that, you're looking at Lawrence Bowers was the, the person before Rosberg to do that, which is just insane and just speaks to the roster turnover that we've seen the last six or seven years. Yeah, that's it's really Missouri's not going to be able to go out and get top 50 recruits like every single year, or, or at least maybe not multiple recruits yeah. in the top 50 every year. So we're really going to have to rely on you know kind of those juniors and seniors, those upperclassmen who've developed, and uh, Kevin Perrier has just. I don't, yeah, I don't know how you can't be a Kevin Perrier fan. You know? right. He's just has kind of stuck through Missouri through th- thick and thin. And, um, yeah, like you said, a 1,000-point scorer. So he's he's definitely going to be a reliable option for us. Yeah. Um, last year we kind of hoped that he would show some improvement in his three-point shooting. It didn't really it didn't really show itself. I mean, he had some big threes. Yeah, the most memorable being that one against uh, Mississippi State, uh, the game-winning three. But still, his percentages weren't great I mean he shot 25 percent from three last year so I think again we're going to be hoping that that improves he's not going to play as much on the perimeter with John Tabian out so I think he'll kind of settle into that high post uh, kind of slashing forward um, maybe trying to use his quickness to get by some of the slower bigs but yeah we've talked a lot about how he's thinned down and uh, maybe he's improved some some athleticism a little bit. Maybe preparing to play a little bit more of a, like a three type position, mm-hmm. um, uh, kind of almost like a a large guard. Um, I don't know how much we'll see that out of him. I don't know how effective he'd be in that role. But uh, if Conzo Martin um, trusts him to play kind of a three, uh, then obviously I'm okay with that. Yeah, I mean it. It would be so nice to see him up that three point shooting percentage over thirty percent on the season. Um, of course, that would warrant more attempts from there. But I think after three seasons, we kind of know what we have with Kevin. And, yeah, definitely. Um, so whatever offensive contributions he can bring, obviously he'll get minutes because yeah, we're now. Gonna, I think we can we can definitely count on him to go get those uh, those tough rebounds, maybe some second chance points. Some, yeah, kind of clean up the boards yeah, and uh, some putbacks. Play and, good defense. Um, I don't know how much we'll rely on him offensively but the thing is i'm not sure who else we can rely on either i was so, about to say that's going to be a theme so, as we talk about all these players yeah. is i'm not going to sure, step up i'm not sure we can rely on them to carry the offense and we're going to be saying that about everybody i think mm-hmm. um next player on my list here is jordan geist he's another senior he's a guard uh, we know all about him he's really fun to watch uh, he became the starting point guard last year and after a shaky start to the season where he was kind of part of 
two pretty big uh, meltdowns with uh, against West Virginia and Florida. He really bounced back well from that and ended SEC play playing just absolutely serviceable point guard yeah. um, in the SEC and had a decent assist to turnover ratio down the stretch. He well, he just wasn't turning the ball over very much, was it? which was all we really needed. We just needed somebody to close out games mm-hmm. by not turning the ball over. Right. Yeah, obviously, Conzo Martin loves Jordan Geist. He's just like that guy you want on your team. You know, he's just going to fight for his teammates, and he's just a, just a tough guy, and he's really fun to watch, like you said. Um, I think his three-point shooting has improved a lot in his time at Mizzou. Um, he may be the guy that we re- rely on, or maybe not the guy, but definitely – a guy that we rely on to get three-point shots um, has definitely shown the ability to do that um, last year, and I think that hopefully he'll improve on that this year. He could, I think he'll probably get a lot of minutes. He'll be playing yeah. a lot. And I'm afraid though that a lot of those minutes are going to come with him as point guard, just having the ball in his hands, and that just doesn't lend itself to getting a lot of spot-up opportunities from three, which is where he has actually had some success last mm-hmm. year. So. Um, do you think he'll play primarily at the one or uh, if we're using those? Yeah, um, I do. I think, unfortunately, it's it's kind of a weird spot. I mean, I mean we're going to say it a million times, but there's nobody that looks like they're just going to, you know, have that offensive consistency that Cassius Robertson or Jordan, Jordan Barnett had last season. Yeah. So I think we, we will see him play alongside Xavier Pinson some, um, and he'll get some of those um, – opportunities for spot up shots I think the offense will try to just move the ball around and maybe he'll initiate the offense but it'll get back around to him for a spot up three-point shot Um, so if we see some stuff like that kind of maybe similar to what uh, Conzo did when Cassius Robertson was running the point there for a little bit last season so Mm -hmm. some of those um, screen opportunities for threes and stuff like that I think there will be opportunities definitely that for some spot up shots and and guys can get to the rim too i mean he's he's done a pretty good job at that and yeah he has the vision to see um jeremiah tillman for dump offs when he's rolling to the basket so um i I don't i think the ball is in good hands when with jordan guys bringing it up so Mm -hmm. i don't think there's too much to worry about there yeah just just depth is the only thing Mm -hmm. um the only junior on the team that will actually be playing this season is uh reed nico he We'll see more minutes than we probably would have hoped because of Jonte's injury. Um, but hopefully Tillman staying on the floor, maturing, and the mental aspect of the game, not fouling as much, will sort of let Nico play the role that he needs to play mm-hmm. and nothing more. Yeah, uh, I think it'll be interesting that he's going to kind of create an opportunity for Conto to go big if they want to. Um, that with him and Tillman on the floor at the same time, definitely gives them a lot of height. Um, hopefully some good rebounding opportunities. Um, <clears throat> we saw Reed at uh, Mizzou Madness a few weeks ago. Uh, he looks way more athletic than I've ever seen him. Um, yeah, I think he made a, a couple nice like alley-oop dunks and stuff like yeah. that. So um, I don't want to discount him and say that he's going to be a non-factor. Um, I don't think he's going to be a game-changer either by any stretch, but uh, certainly think that he could provide some quality minutes for him this year. And uh, I don't know. Uh, take some pressure off Tillman maybe a little bit yeah um we'll talk about Tillman now I mean uh he's going into a sophomore season he was absolutely dominant at times last season when he would stay when he could stay on the floor and stay out of foul trouble I mean everybody knows about his struggles with fouling last year 
committed seven fouls in like six minutes in the Mm -hmm. um, exhibition against Kansas. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I know they've been working hard on that this year uh, in the off season because we, especially now we have to have Tillman on the floor Yeah, and he's got to learn how to, you know, hone in some of that aggressiveness. And um, I think I even, I read somewhere on some article that, Conzo Martin said, you know, if he even looks too hard, we're yeah. calling a foul on him oh, <laughs> in, in practice. practice. Yeah. yeah. Get him used so, to it. Yeah. So they, that's obviously like a, a very apparent issue um, to everyone uh, that's a fan or in the in the basketball program. So I think Tillman is going to I do a lot better at um, kind of toning can't, down can't do worse. that aggressiveness. <laughs> no, you're probably right. Um, when he realizes how important he is to this team and how he cannot help if he's on the bench. Yeah, it's been a big story uh, in the off season about him sort of extending his game out and working on his mid range and even some three point shooting. Mm-hmm. So I can't say I like want him to shoot a bunch of threes, but that's been like the story of the off season is him developing a shot. Yeah, I mean, hopefully that just translates to maybe defenders having to come out on him and yeah, maybe like every once in a while popping well, a three. Yeah, <laughs> even if it's not on. threes, even if it's just a sort of a mid range two yeah. from the elbow or something. Yeah. Just keep just him to, honest. Exactly. Yeah. Um, he, you could you could see that last year that his mechanics look good when he's shooting the ball. So it doesn't surprise me that just with repetition he'd be able to achieve some success shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, and down, down the road for as far as his NBA prospects go, that's what he's going to have to do yeah. to have a shot there. I mean, he's got all the physical tools to be uh, be a nice big. Uh, yeah, ten, but ten he, years ago. We may have been. He may not be on this Missouri team because he might be a one and done. <laughs> exactly. He's so physically dominant for, for playing the five. But if he can't, if you can't shoot, then you're probably just not going to be in the NBA period, no matter right. how good you are down low. Yeah. Um, so, uh, a guy that this is the, the sort of the theme of this so far that's going to be looked at with a expanded role now that Jonte's gone is uh, sophomore forward Mitchell Smith. Uh, he took a red shirt year last year to fully recover from a knee injury that he suffered as a freshman. Um, he also bulked up a little bit. Uh, word on the street is he gained 20 pounds of muscle. Um, and then you sent something to me today about him. He's basically going to play as a wing. The, if you're talking about the nominal positions, he's going to be a three. Yeah, that's just for the most like part floors this year. me to be honest. Like we haven't we have not seen much of Mitchell Smith in his time at Mizzou because well, first of all. Uh, the only thing we have seen of him was when he was a, like a true freshman, right? And he was playing with like the Kim Anderson regime, and he, I don't know, but he got hurt pretty early on in the year, so we saw him play against a bunch of nobodies. Yeah. So that's the last time we see him. <clears throat> he's six ten, and he's as skinny as a rail, and we, and he's going to be playing three. <laughs> like okay, uh, like, and but uh, w- we've heard great things from him. Uh, Conzo Martin, I spoke really highly of him and the scrimmages and practices and. So, uh, I, I honestly, it's kind of the show me thing here. I, I just, I, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, I think I was kind of looking at some things, and um, I think if you want to look at maybe a comp for what they're going to try to do with Mitchell Smith, maybe look at um, Gabriel last year for Kentucky, because he was the he's a super tall, lanky guy who wasn't really at home in the post and was more comfortable on the perimeter. So um, maybe use that as sort of a starting point to gauge maybe how they're going to use Mitchell Smith this year but um 
does he shoot? I mean, I honestly just don't know that much about Mitchell Smith's game. Well, yeah, some stuff I was reading, I mean, people like his mechanics and everything. So sort of like with Jeremiah Tillman, if you get a guy with decent mechanics in the gym and with enough re- repetitions, you can expect them to be able to put together some sort of decent shooting performance in games. So I think that's that's maybe speaks to a little bit of Kevin Perrier's struggles translating that into games because you can just look at him and see that he's kind of got a, a weird mm-hmm. shooting stroke um, from three or even long twos or anything. So, um, But if a guy has good mechanics, just <laughs> sit him in the gym for hours and hours yeah. and have him shoot and they'll improve. So. Yeah. I, I'm certainly really excited to see Mitchell Smith considering we haven't seen him in so long and uh, just so much has happened since we've seen him. So I, I'm really excited to see how his game has developed and uh, see how it's maybe changed a little bit. I think he could be a really bright spot for this team this year. I think he has potential to really surprise some people. And That'd be great, especially with uh, with Santos being hurt. That, yeah, and that's not really kind aspect of being a, that we'll touch on. But Yeah, being a question mark. So. Yeah, um, I think he could really surprise people. And um, so... If you if you want a little talking point, you know, at the water cooler or something, maybe mention <laughs> Mitchell Smith as a potential breakout candidate this year. Yeah, it may not come true, but if it doesn't, um, nobody will remember that you said it. So, <laughs> uh, speaking of KJ Santos, he's first on my list when we talk about new additions to this Missouri team. Um, he is a redshirt sophomore. He's a f- forward. He's, you could consider him a really big guard. He's six eight, like two twenty. Yeah, um, he's huge. But he has some guard skills. He transferred in from University of Illinois, Chicago. He set out last season. Um, he didn't actually play with a team last year. Um, he was just basically working on his game. Mm-hmm. He had a, a couple injuries there as well. So Yeah, he, what, he, he uh, redshirted at the JUCO, basically just yeah. to preserve a third year at Mizzou. Right. Because he committed to Mizzou and then redshirted yes. after that, yeah. I think. so. Yeah, so he was he was planning on going the junior college route. Um and then be able to play in his season that he would typically have to sit out. Mm-hmm. And then when Mizzou entered the picture and that started happening, then, yeah, he decided to just redshirt and just focus on getting ready for his uh, sophomore season at Mizzou, which is, sounds fine with me. Mm-hmm. I mean, Yeah, I was glad that he did that. Yeah, so we're going to get Junko him. The school probably wasn't thrilled, but yeah, yeah, definitely. that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like you said, with you mentioned his injury a little bit. He's been in a walking boot recently. He did not participate in Mizzou Madness. Um, I haven't heard anything concrete on him. I think he had a stress fracture in his foot, I gotcha. believe, is what it's been diagnosed as. Um, nobody really expects him to be ready for the start of the season. Um, I think we're just going to have to play it by ears. Yeah, it would be sort of a week-to-week thing. Yeah, we may not see him for a little while, and uh, which which hurts us because it's in a position of need. And, yeah. Um, I watched quite a bit of film. I shouldn't say I watched quite a bit of film. I watched what's what film is available yes. of, of Santos on the internet. And uh, in his first year at Illinois, Chicago, he looked very versatile. You know, he's got a nice three-point shot. He can drive. He can dunk. He, he can play above the rim. His size is really good for how well he can handle the ball. Right. And yeah, what, he's 6'8", and, yeah. he can, and it's a guard, essentially. He plays yeah. as a guard. So, um, yeah, it would be great to have him back as soon as possible because just – great versatility and plays exactly into the positionless basketball story that we've talked about for a while now yeah and i think if you're looking at anybody uh, besides jonte porter as being like an nba type player on this missouri team i think kj santos is it i mean Mm -hmm. he's got just ideal size to be i mean he's six eight that's 
pretty decent size for NBA three. And if you can make a three pointer mm -hmm. and play good defense, um, you know, we talked about Jordan Barnett last year as a three and D guy, and he had got some looks at the NBA. Yeah. Handles the ball pretty well too. Right. I would say with Santos projection, um, he could outdo, uh, Jordan Barnett in his overall ability to contribute as a junior and senior down the road. Yeah. Um, Barnett ended up being sort of just a spot-up three-point shooter, which was great. He was really good at it, and he yeah. played really good defense. But I think Santos could, with his, with as well-rounded as his game is already, um, I think he could take big steps forward to be a legitimate NBA guy in the future. Yeah. Yeah, side note, um, if Jordan Barnett had, like, four years at Missouri with, like, Conzo Martin as his coach all four years. Yeah. He could have been like scary good. Yeah, he had some amazing talent. Yeah, basically but, wasted time at Texas, mm -hmm. and which is really unfortunate. And then yeah. was a victim of the NCAA transfer rules, where he actually lost playing time because of how he went about his transfer. Right. But, but when he was when he was on, and whenever he was playing a hundred percent as hard as he could, yeah, he was very so fun to impactful. Watch. Yeah. Yes. Um, another guy that's going to be, I think, really fun to watch in his time at Missouri is Mark Smith. Um, We've been talking about his transfer for a while and now his eligibility. Um, he'll be playing this season. He will start his sophomore season just in a few days. He transferred from Illinois and was granted a waiver for immediate eligibility. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, honestly, I think this is bigger news than maybe it's being talked about right now. Mm -hmm. I think Mark Smith, Mark Smith is kind of a dark horse candidate to be that guy that Mizzou looks for. <clears throat> to go get him a bucket this year. I agree. Um, he was such a promising recruit coming out of high school. I remember Mizzou was on him um, coming out of high school. I wanted him so bad. Well, he was originally going to play <clears throat> baseball for Missouri. Right, yeah. And he's just such a great athlete, and he's just a big guard um, with great length and can shoot kind of exactly what Conzo Martin was looking for. Kind of surprised, honestly, that he didn't end up at Mizzou his freshman year, but he goes to Illinois, kind of struggles. Uh, gets like sick or something and just kind of like he starts off really well and yeah. obviously we know that Illinois beat Mizzou and Mark Smith had a pretty good game then things kind of turned south and I'm not really sure about all the details yeah but he things kind of fell apart for Illinois just as a whole on their right. season last year right. um, their high point was probably beating Missouri exactly. and St. Louis and everything kind of went downhill from there and then there was rumors that it just wasn't a good fit yeah um, I definitely think there was a lot of drama going on behind the scenes uh, with Underwood and Mark Smith and his family, but I'm I'm really glad that he's at Mizzou because I I think that he is a very underrated prospect right now. I think yeah. that he's going to surprise Mizzou fans this this season of how big of an impact he's going to make. Yeah, after having I, he's a guy. I mean, we all know that Drew Smith was the more was the player that was more ready to contribute from day one if they were granted eligibility. Um, we talked for a while on the last episode that just came out a few days ago about um, just his whole transfer process and how awful that has been, how the NCAA looks pretty dumb, um, as well as Evansville over that whole thing. But um, Mark Smith, I think, could have really done well with a, a redshirt year, just being able to get in the system and get stronger and improve his shot and things like that. But uh, once again, with John Tay Porter going down, we need somebody mm -hmm. to step up, and I think... I'm really glad we're going to have at least one of the Smiths yes. eligible this year just to give us something to cling on to as we kind of maybe bridge the the year, you know, last year to maybe a more promising season next year. Yeah, and but also just having a guy that has Division One college basketball experience. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I will definitely come out and say that I'm a I'm a pretty big Mark Smith believer, and I think that he will be this team's best three-point shooter nice. this year. Well, we need somebody. Um, Torrance Watson is the next guy on my list. He's a freshman. He'll be playing quite a bit as a true freshman. I think Mark Smith being eligible will take some of that burden off of Torrance Watson. Mm-hmm. I think we'll see them play um, together quite a bit. I think they'll be on the floor at the same time. Mark Smith is another guy, when we talked about Jordan Geist, that – I think will alleviate some of the ball handling yeah. pressure. You think he'll play point some? I think so. I think we could see sort of a, t- I'm using air quotes, two point guard system when Geist and Smith are on the court together. Yeah. Um, where either guy can, is pretty comfortable handling the ball. Yeah, I think both those guys want to push the ball a lot as well. Yeah. I think they'll probably play pretty aggressively when both of those guys are on the floor. But. Conzo may decide that he wants to just use them interchangeably as the primary point guard. So a lot of that will depend on Xavier Pinson, who we'll talk about in a second. But going back to Torrance Watson, he was so far, I mean, outside of the ridiculous um, recruiting class last year, he's been the biggest get for um, Conzo Martin. He was originally an Ohio State commit before going back to Missouri. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you saw, but there was, for some reason, um, the Athletic has been writing a bunch of articles about Mizzou. I don't mm-hmm. really know. I what, did read that article. Yeah, what that's about. But there was one about Torrance Watson of all people, and um, it's kind of funny part where apparently he wanted to commit to Missouri during the Kim Anderson era, and his mom like went to the school, like left work and went to the school to say no that you're not doing this because yes. they're terrible. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So Torrance Watson clearly at home at Mizzou yeah. ended up where he truly probably wants to be. So thank God for Conzo Martin again coming yes. at the perfect time. But I'm a huge Torrance Watson fan. Uh, he just, I feel like I'm like a broken record, but just kind of the, like he's so smooth and like just the perfect like size for a guard. Yeah. Um, he's just great shooter, just a natural scorer. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how long he'll be at Mizzou. I don't know if he's going to end up being an NBA prospect, but to, I, and I don't want to, you know, put a label on him or anything like that but he definitely seems to me like probably a four-year player who mizzou wants to build a program around yeah you know he's the he's the kind of guy who's going to come in and be uh, effective his freshman year because you know we are counting on him and to some degree yeah. to contribute this year uh but by the time he is a junior or a senior he's going to be probably the guy or one of the one of the guys on this team and i think we can hopefully look back on him and and be really happy with his career here yeah i like you said we don't want to put too much pressure on a kid but um mm-hmm. i think he's the type of guy type of high school recruit type of player in general that conzo martin is going to be building his legacy around at missouri mm-hmm. these four-star guys that aren't one and dones that will develop in your system because let's be honest missouri's not a blue bud blue blood like Kentucky or Kansas or anybody, they're not going to get these one and dones that can impact the season or a team's success right away. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking at more of like a um, Villanova route, which Villanova has maximized what you can do with exactly. a, sort of a four-star player system and developing guys, mm-hmm. that's got to be the route that you take if yeah. you're Missouri. So you're right. I mean, ideally, we'd, we'd end up being a Villanova or maybe even a Wisconsin in their right. prime. Uh, yeah, a program that develops players that are talented but aren't going to jet after one year. Yeah, so when you look, that's that's the thing if you're trying to, when I'm like sort of evaluating Conzo Martin's recruiting classes year over year, I'm going to be looking for these 
top 100 players, you know, right around the 100 mark that are four-star guys that have the skills necessary to be really solid college players. And I think we see that with Trey Jackson, who we just got a commitment from. Mm -hmm. I think that's definitely a step in the right direction. And I think you get one of those guys, you sprinkle in a Mario McKinney, that type of player mm -hmm. who is solely a college player but could be a great one. Mm -hmm. And that's how you build right. a legacy at Missouri. And don't get me wrong, we still want Josh Christopher. We, we Absolutely, still, yeah. We still love those those top 10, top 20 guys that we can get at you know when, once in every you know, 10 exactly. years or something. But definitely I agree, Conzo Martin's bread and butter is going to be these Torrance Watson type players. Yeah, and then you sprinkle in a guy like that every once in a while. Um, really because of the deal. connection you know a family connection yeah. we saw that with michael porter jr and Dante. um so it, that's that's how you do it so i mean i think easy as that exactly <laughs> um Konza, we spelled it out for you just just do that you know but he's doing it so yeah i think i think he'll find success with that but getting back on topic here um i could talk recruiting all day long getting carried away um Torrance Watson's going to score the ball. That's mm -hmm. what that's what he's here to do right now. Yeah. So he can score it at the rim. He's got a mid-range game. He can shoot from three. That's what they call being a, th a three-level scorer. Triple threat? Oh, yeah. What, what's... <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, hopefully he doesn't too, put too much pressure on himself. I think the staff will do a good job of sort of, you know, balancing that. Yeah. Um, maybe that's something that Illinois didn't do very well with Mark Smith last year, so... Let that be a warning to some of these young guys. Don't put it all on yourself. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm really excited to see Torrance play. Uh, another freshman guard. It's all about the freshman guards now. So Javon Pickett, um, three-star guy, um, a former Illinois recruit. It's kind of fun to steal all these guys away from Illinois. But uh, spent a year in prep school last year getting ready for college. He was injured uh, during a portion of that time. So, But uh, I think he got ready for the college game, though, last season because – He's six four, listed at two oh seven, and yeah. he looks like a college guard. I mean, yeah, we we talked about it in uh, a couple of weeks ago. But after we went to the Mizzou Madness event, we were pleasantly surprised at at Javon Pickett. Like he he looked the part, and like you said, he's taller than we expected. He's got some muscle, mm -hmm. um, and I think that maybe originally maybe six months ago whenever i was thinking ahead to the season i was thinking that he probably wouldn't be counted on much this year but i wouldn't be surprised if you know he carved out a role of you know four or five points a game and got out there and hit some shots and kind of get a feel for the game yeah especially and the key with any of these guys with these young guys is if they prove to Conzo that they're gonna buckle down and play solid defense they will get minutes and um, if you add scoring potential to that that's even better so mm -hmm. i think People kind of talked about as well him maybe handling the ball some since we're lacking that. So look for that. I think he's been working on his three-point shot because he's just been known as a driver so yeah. far, just getting to the rim, which is great. Yeah, he so, looked he looked good shooting the ball in the scrimmage, the very limited scrimmage uh, yeah. that we saw at Mizzou Madness. So it looks like at least the – He was wanting to put it up from three for sure. It feels natural to him to shoot yeah. the ball. Um, and as we've heard a hundred thousand times, uh, it sounds like he's really a hard worker. So making a good impression right off the bat at his yeah. time at Mizzou. Uh, Xavier Pinson, another freshman guard. He's out of Chicago. He is super athletic. We saw that, uh, with him winning the dunk contest at Mizzou madness. He's a very small guy. Um, not much, uh, muscle on him yet. So I don't know how well he could sort of, I don't know how well he'll do getting to the rim, um, against some of these big college guys. So mm -hmm. 
It looked like he uh, had no, I mean, I guess I, I really shouldn't uh, take any like real analysis from the scrimmage <laughs> that we watched. Uh, but we saw Matt. them play basketball. We saw him play basketball. There was no defense whatsoever, but I still, it still looked like he is going to be a capable slasher at times this year. Like you said, just ultra athletic. Um, I think that there's going to be some growing pains, probably, um, maybe some some t- some turnovers that we're just going to have to live with. But uh, I think he has the potential to be a very exciting player with a high ceiling. Yeah, and it's sort of some of the same stuff we talked about with Blake Harris last year. Mm-hmm. Harris was far and away a more uh, highly recruited prospect as far as the rankings and stars go. Um, but I see similarities in their game. I mean, they're probably going to be a little he's probably gonna be a little bit too loose with the ball like Harris was last year um maybe try to fit some passes in that just aren't there but if he can just sort of have the same type of freshman season that Blake Harris was having before he decided to transfer Mm -hmm. and also not transfer um yeah I think yeah it'd be nice to uh if just have an attitude of patience and understand that I, I may not put it all together this year but uh, just having patience and, and keep working hard and just keep being coachable, then he's gonna he'll, he'll be there for sure. Yeah, and I think the staff will try to figure out what they have with him early. I think he'll get some minutes early yeah, in some of these fire. games. Yeah, to just to see kind of what where they're at with him. Um, last player that we're gonna touch on is Christian Guess. He was a late addition, another freshman guard. Um, he's from C- Cleveland. He is uh, very skinny, um, <laughs> very lean. He's six five, one eighty. And uh, he, you could tell he was actually shooting around quite a bit before Mizzou Madness actually went, uh, got underway a couple weeks ago. And he still, he, he kind of surprised me at how much he looked like a college guard. I mean, that's the size and the length. Obviously, we see that with the staff just piling up the um, long, rangy guards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely what Kondo is going for. And probably a lot of coaches across the country that's definitely the trend uh, that people that coaches are looking for is mm-hmm. the uh the long rangey guards that can play multiple positions and guard most multiple positions mm-hmm. especially yeah um i don't really see guests being much of a contributor this season even with the lack of depth overall right. i think he's maybe sort of a project guy yeah. I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if he redshirted even with even with the depth issues i think there's um, obviously, Mark Smith, Torrance Watson, Javon Pickett are all ahead of him yeah, as far I agree. as getting I mean, playing he, time. He was late in the game. I mean, he showed up on campus just like a couple months ago. I agree that a red shirt is entirely possible for him this year and uh, give him an extra year down the road to contribute because we just don't really need him all that much right now, I don't think. Right. Um, well, that's that's the roster for you. Um, I'm really excited to see some of these guys play i mean that's obviously that's a thing that happens every year you get to see new guys play yeah but it's exciting every season There's, there really <laughs> is something uh exciting and special just about seeing somebody new in a missouri missouri uniform uh, yeah. out there playing for your playing for your team and everybody will have their kind of favorite newcomer to watch mine probably would have been kj santos if he was going to be there game one but um Torrance Watson as yeah. well is going to be right there. Is just Torrance being... Watson and Mark Smith far far and away are, are my probably two favorite that I'm excited to watch right now at least. Yeah, definitely. Everybody's going to look good in those new uniforms though. Oh, yeah. Um, so thinking about all these guys, um, talking about that first game, who, who, do you, who are you penciling in uh, for the starting five for that first game against uh, Central Arkansas? Well, let me, uh, let me write it down here just so I don't say anything twice. Uh, but certainly, I think we can count on Jeremiah Tillman and uh, Kevin Purrier. Yep. 
uh, I think we can count on Geist. Mm-hmm. From there, uh, I'm not so sure, but I think that we'll see probably Mark Smith starting out at the two. Um, and now where I'm really pretty unsure is who's going to be kind of playing the three because we know that Kevin Perrier uh, may play some three. We know Mitchell Smith might play some three. Um, I think maybe right to start the season, I think we'll see Mitchell Smith maybe uh, starting in that spot. And But down the road, I think we'll see Santos take yeah. over that spot. Um, yeah, I penciled in Geist, Mark Smith, Kevin Perrier, and Jeremiah Tillman. And I think you make a compelling argument for Mitchell Smith to be starting games right off the bat. Um, even I, I'm going to put uh, Watson there at, at the three. And I think basically Mark Smith and Watson will be kind of mm-hmm. interchangeable. Um, it'll just depend on matchups and who they can guard. But yeah, it may just depend on who they're playing. I don't know if Konza would just go with the same starting five every game, no matter what, or yeah. if he looks for specific matchups, I'm not really sure, but yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see with Mitchell Smith, if he just plays the three depending on the matchup or if they just trot him out there and say hey this is this is the guy who's starting at the three mm-hmm. we're gonna have two guys out there that are 610 and then kevin Perrier and maybe yeah smith and Perrier will kind of just take turns playing inside and out or mm-hmm. something like that i don't know um that flexibility is definitely nice to have but i'm gonna pencil in watson as the game one starter yeah i um, can't fault you there I think what's more important is who's starting long-term. So what do you think will be the most frequently used starting lineup this season? Well, again, it's tough to answer when we don't know exactly what's going on with Santos. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that I will just say Tillman, Perrier, Geist, Mark Smith, and Santos. I 100% agree. Um, Assuming Santos gets healthy, even just in time for SEC season, um, yeah, I, I think he would start. I, I think that's that's in the realm of possibility that he really could miss the, all of non-conference play. Yeah, I certainly hope not. That would be worst case scenario, Alexander. I think <laughs> I think you're right. Um, yeah, I like that. Uh, last year we uh, did a poll and tweeted out uh, some options of what we thought this most frequently used starting lineup would be. I think every single one of them included Terrence Phillips. So. Obviously, they were all incorrect. Yeah. Um, Terrence Phillips played such a different role than anyone could have ever expected last year. Yeah. Uh, also, I think we've maybe even said this on a different podcast episode before, but do you remember how, like, whenever they announced the starting lineup at the Iowa State game last year and, like, Colin Van Leer was in the starting lineup yeah. and we just looked at each other and we were like, what? <laughs> yeah. Like, shaking our heads. I think a lot of people in that arena did, did the exact was, same thing. That I, was funny. It was interesting at times last year to see, like... Um, Geist, Van Leer, Perrier, Barnett, mm-hmm. like those four guys all on the floor at the same time with maybe Tillman or Jonte. It's like there's four Kim Anderson guys on the floor right mm-hmm. now. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. But uh, I don't cu- think CVL was in the starting lineup for very long. He started maybe, I think maybe he started like, like 13 a, a quarter games, of though. the season. Okay. Yeah. That's quite, that's actually pretty um, good. Yeah. He's, we should talk about him for just a sec. Yeah, he's should. definitely a guy I'm going to. I'm going to miss just because of the fact that he was going to be another four year yeah. graduate with Kevin Perrier. He'll still, they introduced him at Mizzou Madness with yeah. the seniors. So he'll still walk out there on senior night, which will be awesome for him. 
Um, yeah, he's definitely a guy we're going to miss. Uh, I will never, ever forget how he shut down like Kevin Knox oh, yeah. uh, last year. That was such an incredible defensive performance, and I truly think that it hurt the team whenever he got hurt. Like, obviously, physically not being out there, but mentally as well. I think that yeah. he was just kind of a leader that the guys depended to be there in the right spot and doing the right thing all the time, and just this that team did not feel the same no. in postseason play because obviously all the Michael Porter Jr. drama, but just Colin Van Leer not being there. Yeah. And he was just kind of a staple of the team that was just all of a sudden gone. Yeah, it was kind of, I mean, it was cool that he got announced and everything at Mizzou Madness, but also it was just kind of like seeing him in sweatpants and a t-shirt. It was just like, oh man. It's like, a bummer. Yeah, it's just, obviously it was kind of bittersweet like that he's still a part of the team, but he's not gonna play Mm -hmm. and it's just kind of really disappointing as for for him obviously but then as a Mizzou fan just a guy that invested so much in this team when they were terrible yeah you know along the same lines as Kevin Perrier and was rewarded he and Perrier both were rewarded with getting to play on an awesome team I mean yeah comparatively a fantastic team compared to what they were used to yeah so I think we can agree that Jonte Porter was expected to be the MVP. He was definitely the preseason MVP, if you want to put it that way, for Missouri. Um, with him gone, who do you? Who's your preseason MVP for this Mizzou team? That's a great question. Um, there's not. Like we've said it a hundred times. I, there's not like one guy who I think is going to be a game changer this year. It's going to have to be a team effort. But there are a lot of guys who I think could break out that we didn't really expect. Um, so I'm going to say actually Jeremiah Tillman because I think he's going to not be perfect, but I think he's going to figure it out a little bit this year. And he's kind of just like, even if he be, kind of becomes the guy mid-year and teams realize like, okay, this is kind of their go-to guy, I think he has the physical capabilities to continue to be the go-to guy even when defenses know that's where we're going. Yeah. Um, if he is on the floor and he's healthy and his, his mind is in the right state, I think he can be like unstoppable. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, and I think the more consistently he plays, he will keep. He'll start drawing double teams, and mm-hmm. defenses will cue in on him, and he can. Right, and, and then that'll just free up the offense for everybody. For, right, and Kevin, for cutters for, exactly. for Kevin Perrier. Kevin's for, a capable enough scorer to where I think that he can take advantage of those double teams. If, definitely, if Tillman can get the ball to him. Yeah, and that will just help help shooters. The little shooting that we know about with it, having open shots is definitely going to be a heck of a mm-hmm. lot better than if teams can just shut yeah. down the three-point line and hug the exactly. three-point shooters. Yeah, so I think it'll be a huge benefit to this team all year long if Tillman can come out strong early in the year and yeah. make a statement and say, hey, I'm the go-to guy, Right. so you better guard me. I love that pick for, for MVP. I'm going to, just to not have the exact same pick, I'm going to go with uh, Jordan Geist because I think he's going to anchor the backcourt, and um, it's... Potentially, he's going to be the main ball handler for 90% of the minutes that, that he's on the floor. So, mm-hmm. I think I, If he's good, then that means good things for Mizzou, definitely. Yeah. Those two guys, though, I think if you look at them as being you know, the backcourt and the frontcourt players to watch, um, if they have career seasons, it w- wouldn't take a whole lot for Tillman to have a career season. But if both of them you know, make a sizable step up from last season, I think that would push this team to the ceiling to their ceiling basically Mm -hmm. all right well we have talked a lot about the players but um, not much about the schedule so far so 
Um, we kind of just jotted down our predictions. Obviously, we haven't done too much research on it, so it's kind of just going with our gut on some of these. But uh, we'll break down the schedule a little bit. We've got a few games starred here that I want to talk about, but we'll just go down and sort of give our prediction for each game and then talk about what we sort of think for the season as a whole at the end. Um, starting off the season with uh, a home game against Central Arkansas. I think we can both chalk that up as a win. And then on the road at Iowa State. Of course, we beat Iowa State at home last year, but they've got some uh, transfers coming in that are going to improve their team. And uh, their star freshman now being a sophomore that it will just contribute to their yeah, season. So he's very talented. Yeah. Uh, this is kind of a coin flip for me. Um, I actually penciled this in as a win, uh, but I would not be surprised if we lost by like 15. So I just have no idea what to expect. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, pencil it in as a loss actually just i think going on the road early like that with a team that with so many question marks and players who don't really know where they stand potentially as of yet the coaching staff may be working behind the scenes to shore up all these potential deficiencies but until we see it i'm going to track up that iowa state game as a loss um tigers then go to the paradise jam um, they start that off with a game against kennesaw state um, i'm going to put that as a win same which would then put them in the second round with a likely matchup against Oregon State, who returns everybody from a, a team last year that was around 80th in Kempom. Yeah, I think that would be a really tough matchup, actually. They have a lot of experience, a lot of uh, returning players, so I think Mizzou would actually lose that game. Yeah, me too. Um, I have that as a loss. If they were to win that game, they would play Kansas State, which is a preseason top 15 team so yeah they made the elite eight last year yeah that would probably be a loss anyway but um having that extra win uh, against a quality opponent in oregon state would actually be huge Mm -hmm. potentially down the down the stretch and even just the opportunity to play kansas state would would do good things for for our strength of schedule um i am going to put that as a loss though until we until we see otherwise i think just a team with a lot of experience like that will be Mm -hmm. uh, tough to beat yeah I hope we obviously win against Oregon State or whoever we're playing in that game just because I think it's good to get game experience in the non-conference against tough opponents like Kansas State it'd be great to be able to play against them Mm -hmm. Uh, after that trip they come back to Columbia for a game against Temple Um, I'm gonna put that down as a W same and then I have a three-win streak against UCF, UT Arlington, and Oral Roberts at home. Same. UCF uh, could be a little sticky, but I think we'll be just fine. They've got still Taco mm-hmm. Fall, 7-6. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Freshman Jeremiah Tillman didn't have too much trouble with him last year true. on the road. Yeah. So, um, Did he Was he kind of in foul trouble last year? I don't just remember both, him being... Both players were. Kind oh, Jeremiah of, was in foul trouble? Yeah. Interesting. Bo- both kind of were, but um, <laughs> I mean, he still had... Tillman still had some plays where it was just like... Yeah. He just looked like the more skillful yeah, basketball definitely, player definitely. easily. So uh, that game being at home, I think is big. Um, after beating them on the road last year, it shouldn't be too much trouble. Uh, then uh, a game that I have a star next to, um, a home game against Xavier. Not often that you get a big time opponent like that on your home court. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm definitely going to pencil that in as a loss. Xavier Same. has been really good for uh, quite a while now. And they, uh, they have been really, really good. Um, did they lose blew it? Yeah. And, uh, can't remember his other, the other guy's name off the top of my head. 
uh, I don't kind know of either, tall, but, lanky white guy. But they also reloaded with a couple transfers that I'm are sure. going to make a difference. So yeah, uh, that's going to be a really tough game. Why, why do we keep running into Xavier so much? It seems like we've played that's them a, a lot the last few years. We had a home and home. Yeah. With them in like 2016 and 17, and then played uh, against them in a preseason tournament. Yeah. Uh, maybe. And then two seasons. That was ago. the game that we like almost won. Yes. It was like a heartbreaking loss yeah. a few years ago. Whenever we thought that like Missouri might actually, I think it was Kim Anderson's third year, yes. and we thought like, wow, things might be really turning around. There was some hype in the preseason after like uh, playing against some teams overseas or something, yeah. and then yeah, in that uh, early season tournament, they had a pretty good showing, and and then like the next day after a heartbreaking loss to Xavier, they lost to like Davidson, and then barely I, beat like Tulane the day after that. Yes, Am yes, I, yes, yes. Is that all? That's, coming back to you now yep yep that's if you something really? maybe switched there but i that's really close to how yeah. it went yeah so it's like, was, oh, okay well it still came at kim anderson team yeah absolutely I, this is a totally sidebar thing but i was just watching some uh, just mizzou athletics youtube account just clicking through the highlights from last season and i guess i went through all of them that are on there for last season because then uh, i saw mizzou outlasts wku and I was like, Western Kentucky, they didn't play them last year. Oh, this is highlights from two years ago. And Missouri was three and three in the pre or in the non conference and beat Western Kentucky at home like fifty nine to fifty seven, I think. And uh, Western Kentucky actually attempted a buzzer beater to win the game that bounced off the backboard. I don't I remember that like, at all. Holy cow! Frankie Hughes <laughs> had like three, um, made threes or something well, in a stretch there. But I was just that popped up, and it was just like such stark contrast to all the highlights from victories that yeah. I had been watching from last season. I was just like, I don't miss those days. No, not at all. All right, where were we here? So uh, probably we're penciling in a loss at home against Xavier. I think that it's possible. I could change my stance on that. Maybe like. Two or three weeks into the season, yeah. whenever we get a look at both of these teams, seeing what they're doing against Iowa State, if they if they win two games in that tournament and then lose a a, a decent game against mm-hmm. Kansas State, I think it's I think it's possible that Mizzou could be like a little bit better maybe than we're giving them credit, and I think that Xavier might be a little less formidable than they've been in the past. Definitely, I would agree. Um, there's no way I'm doing anything other than penciling in a win against Illinois and St. Louis. Yeah, we got to win that game. Sheesh. We have to win. Should have won Illinois. it last year. Um, Illinois did not end up having a good season at all. That was actually a bad loss on Missouri's NCAA tournament resume at the end of last season. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, just the bragging rights—literally, the bragging yeah. rights. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that Jeremiah was really rattled. Like he just yeah. did not look like himself. He like missed a dunk and some, like he was getting booed. And yeah. like I felt for him because they're gonna get booed this year. I yeah, mean, he, with but I think he's he'll Tillman, be ready for Mark it. Mark Smith, Javon Pickett. I think Tillman will be ready for it. Mark Smith, on the other hand, is gonna be his first year going through it. So yeah, um, I'm gonna pencil that in as a win, though. Yeah, same. Uh, then another win against Moorhead State to finish off non-conference play, and then a big matchup at home against Tennessee, and I'm going to pencil that in as a loss. Yeah, uh, Tennessee might be the best team we play all year. Probably are the best team. We Unfortunately, we have to play them twice. We do. And, like, I mean, Tennessee could be like a Final Four type team. Yeah. They're going to be so They're going to be right there good. to win the SEC. Yeah. yeah. going to be a, a high seed in the uh, NCAA tournament most likely. So. Yeah bringing back a lot of big pieces uh, next game is the first road game at, at south carolina 
I went back and forth on this one. I'm actually going to put it down as a loss <laughs> just because we beat them in, their, in mm-hmm. the other Columbia last season. Yeah. Um, it's hard to win road games, and uh, Frank Martin always fields a competitive team. So Yeah, a lot I, of these oh, – sorry, go ahead. I just don't know that they could go on the road at the other, South, at the other Columbia and uh, – The other South Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, beat them two years in a row. Yeah, I agree. And – Honestly, like it's so early that we have no idea how good these teams are. But if we have know anything about conference play, is that it's just really difficult to win on the road. And yeah. so, pretty much most of these road games, it's just, I don't see us doing very well. No, me neither. Um, do come back home against Alabama. I'm going to pencil that in as a win. I don't really know why I'm going to do that. But just because it's hard to play on the road. Exactly. So, so home games are... we'll win a few yeah. uh, toss-up home games. I also uh, have us winning that game. And then I also have a little uh, back-to-back win action because Texas A&M is definitely rebuilding. Uh, they lost their two best players last year. They've got some decent guards returning, but... Um, I think we ought to be able to take advantage of Texas A&M in a, in a rebuilding year. Yeah, I had that as a loss, but certainly should be, a, a, win, should be a winnable game. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I'm predicting a loss at Arkansas. Same. I would love to beat them every season. but Arkansas is really good at home. Yes. Um, we know Mike Anderson teams win most of their home games. Uh, then this is kind of this is a three-game <clears throat> losing streak that I have here with Ar- at Arkansas, home against LSU, and then at Auburn. Um, LSU gave us fits last year. I think they're going to be good for a long time. Yeah. And um, Auburn isn't losing a ton, and that game's on the road. So I've got a three-game losing streak there. Yeah, I, I have us beating LSU just because we're at home. But like you said, they're super talented, great, very well-coached team. Uh, so they're going to be better this year than they were last year. Yeah. Like the SEC is just ridiculous. It's really like, good. They're from top to bottom. They are just amazing. Yeah. There is no gimme games at all. Yeah. These schools invested in better coaches yeah. all across the conference. Yes. And it's definitely. Even like Vanderbilt, like getting all these five stars, like oh, yeah. uh, Darius, Darius Garland. Garland yeah. he's, he's unreal. Yeah. I actually have this home game against Vanderbilt as a win, but it's going to be like. Same. It's going to be but, so hard to win that yeah, game. Yeah. Uh, who's going to stop Darius Garland? Like Seriously. We, we watched him in Springfield at the Tournament of Champions last year. And just one of the craziest performances I've ever seen from a high school player yeah. ever was was Darius Garland. Yeah, he was scoring every which way. He was just knifing into the paint and just. I think even he was just like amazed. Like he was like smiling. After yeah, he was, he was just, having fun. So yeah. much fun. And and the the other team was legitimately trying to stop him. Like yeah. they were playing defense. So he's he's insane. So definitely yeah, he's gonna be one of the he's. Look for him to be the SEC freshman of the year it's this possible, year because yeah. he's gonna. I think he's gonna do really well at Vanderbilt. Yeah. So even if Mizzou is not real great this year, there's gonna be a lot of fun players to watch Definitely. in the SEC. Yeah, you're not gonna want to miss very many of these games. Um, at Tennessee to uh, end the first half of SEC play, I have that as a loss. That'll be the toughest game of the year, probably right there. Yeah. Um, so halfway through SEC play, I have us only at three wins. So we could see some panic in the Mizzou fandom if uh, if, that, well. if they're three and six have three wins after nine games. But the schedule lets up a little bit here in the second half of SEC play. Uh, we get Texas A&M and Arkansas at home. I have both of those as wins. Same. Got to beat Arkansas at home. I, I hate losing to Arkansas. So if we can, if we split, then it's fine. Mm-hmm. We do like every year. Seems like yeah. Even in like the Kim Anderson years, yeah, we, we were, were like beating getting, Arkansas. Yeah, yeah. Um, then I have a, actually a road win at Ole Miss. I think they're going to be 
one of the not as great teams in the SEC. Yeah. I've got it as a loss, but certainly winnable game. Then I have back-to-back losses uh, at home against Kentucky and then at Florida. I think uh, both of those teams are going to be towards the top of the standings at the end of the season, uh, getting mm-hmm. your first win against Kentucky ever and then following it up with another one the very next season is probably unlikely. And uh, Florida is always tough, and that will be on the road. You have them beating Mississippi State at Mississippi State? I actually do. Oh, yeah. my. I think I think Mississippi State's going to have a down year. Um, I, I don't think they'll be as good – I honestly don't think they'll be as good as they were last year. And I think, yeah, and I think Mississippi State, I think that's going to be a game where if if the schedule, if the results go how I have predicted, then Missouri is going to be coming off back-to-back losses. And I think the fans are going to be kind of scared and wondering where the future is headed. And even though it's headed in the right direction, there'll Mm -hmm. be people panicking. And so I have them winning three of their last four. I have them winning at Mississippi State, at home against South Carolina, losing at Georgia. So flip those two if you'd like, um, the Mississippi State, Georgia. I think they get one of those two. Interesting. And then close out the season at home against Mississippi with a win. Yeah, uh, I actually well, I have a four-game losing streak here with against Ole Miss, Kentucky, Florida, and Mississippi State. That three-game stretch there of Kentucky, Florida, and Mississippi State is incredibly tough. I actually am going to go the opposite way, where I think Mississippi State will be much improved this year. Okay. Because uh, they've got some good returning experience, and obviously uh, Ben Hallen knows what he's doing. So I think that Mississippi State could finish in the top three or four in the conference this year. That is definitely possible. I'm, uh, I'm... We'll see. I mean, like I've said, we haven't, we don't know a whole lot about these teams yet. Um, but at the same time, we kind of do, because a lot of them are probably yeah. going to be extensions of what they were last year. Returning coaches, There's returning a lot of re- players. Exactly. So. So uh, that just pretty much any way you slice it, though, there's really no, like, breath or easy streak in this schedule in no. the SEC. It's just an absolute gauntlet yeah. from beginning to end. Yeah, and, it, I mean, it, it could be a situation where Missouri ends up losing every single road game that they play in yeah. SEC play. That wouldn't shock me. I mean, that, that happens to teams every year. So um, I have them... What about the last three games there for you, South Carolina, Georgia, and Ole Miss? I have them winning against South Carolina, losing at Georgia, and beating Ole Miss at home. Yeah, I have the same thing. So that puts me at a conference record of 7-11, and 11, which would be good for probably ninth or 10th maybe. Yeah. Um, I actually have them at 9-9. Nine and nine. Um, This is probably close to the ceiling for this squad. Mm-hmm. I picked close to the ceiling for the football team this year when we previewed the schedule so maybe i'm just you know pumping some that's okay. sunshine but that's all right i've got them at 17 and 12 overall nine and nine in conference um, yep 16 and 13 is my overall yeah honestly i the, i think the this the floor and ceiling for this team aren't that far apart mm-hmm. the floor i think honestly is 15 mm-hmm. wins if they Maybe 14 is the absolute floor for the team, um, which is I hope you're right. Right around 500. Mm-hmm. 500 as an overall record, I think, will be some of the worst seasons that we see under Conzo Martin. Yeah. Um, but then again, the ceiling, like I said in the very beginning of this, I don't see them getting to 20 wins. Yeah. But there's a lot of people saying that there'll be an NCAA bubble team. I am not that optimistic with this yeah. squad. 
Yeah, you never know um, how the schedule's going to go, um, what what kind of in-season stories are going to happen with other teams, what kind of injuries are going to happen. Sure. Um, there's so much that can happen within a season that can dictate wins and losses. Um, I agree that the, ce- the ceiling and the floor are, are fairly close. I think the floor is probably 13 wins. Um, and then, like you said, the ceiling is probably 19 or 20. So, uh, yeah, I don't I don't see this team just completely unraveling. Um, but this this schedule is is ridiculous. So they're gonna have to keep it together uh, to some extent um, to beat even the bottom teams. Yeah, I think a lot of I think Mizzou fans should probably take a step back and realize what we had coming back with Jonte Porter, and then factoring in his loss. I think. Just don't set yourself up for disappointment. Yeah. Um, we may even be way too optimistic right now. I have no idea. It's just I don't think we're being overly optimistic. I think there are people, I mean, Rockham Nation did a poll on Twitter and on their website, and there were a lot of people voting that this was around a 20-win bubble, NCAA bubble team. And I'd love to be wrong. Yeah, I'd love to be wrong in that direction for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, I just when don't Michael see Porter it. Jr. Went, out, went down last year, nobody... Um, nobody expected them to be making the NCAA tournament. They thought, I mean, they ended up doing what we thought they were going to do with him. Mm-hmm. So perhaps know. perhaps they will get back to that 20. I mean, with Jonte, I had them right around 20 wins with maybe 17 being the floor. So without him, maybe they do overachieve and get back to that spot. But mm-hmm. I just, I don't see it for sure. Um, so we have a special segment coming up where we are going to do a three-on-three draft um, in the style of some of our favorite video games, um, NBA Street Volume 2 specifically. Specifically. One of the greatest games of all time. Absolutely. So um, we're going to get producer Cameron in here to flip a coin. He's currently editing our last podcast episode because we recorded these back-to-back. So it's kind of a late night for us. Currently 11.17 p.m. (laughs) So we're dedicated, guys. But, uh, yeah, he's editing our last episode so we can get it out um, before the game on Saturday. And here he is with a coin. Who's calling it? Um, uh, who should call it? I kind of want to call it. Go ahead. Okay. Do you remember who called it for? I think I did. Oh. It's oh, a you're doing a penny, huh? Okay. I, I have a quarter. Oh, well, that's even better. <laughs> Here's a quarter. Mm, thank you. It's a special quarter. <laughs> hmm. Seems official to me. Oh, okay. Um, okay, I'll call in it air. in the air. <laughs> I will catch it and put it on my hand. Okay. Nice to know. Heads. Heads it is. Ooh, Ooh, thank goodness. Wow. I really wanted that number one pick. That is oh, too almost bad. like there were two heads on this quarter. <laughs> that is <laughs> better take that back. <laughs> put it in my pocket. Yeah, interesting that he provided the quarter and then won the toss. All right. Uh, I'm not going to draw this out. I'm picking Jeremiah Tillman with the number one overall that pick. That is just too bad. You know, interesting enough, I was going to pick Jeremiah Tillman. I thought maybe you might. Oh, keep in mind now, Jonte Porter is not a part of this draft. Drew Smith is not a part of this draft because we're only doing players that will potentially play for Missouri this season. Uh, are we assuming KJ Santos is injured or healthy? Um, consider him healthy for Perfect, this exercise perfectly 100 healthy yeah and assume that he plays this season so he is eligible okay uh well i don't think that 
Well, I don't know your strategy. <laughs> I don't know your strategy, but I think I can wait a little bit on a big guy. Maybe. Maybe. So I'm going to pick Jordan Geist. That was going to be my next pick if you didn't pick him. So shockingly, we are, you know, on the same train of thought here. Mm-hmm. Pretty much exactly like we were uh, for the football draft. Okay. Hmm. I had an idea of where I wanted to go, but some of our conversation may have swayed me. Hmm. I think I am going to choose... I'm going to choose Mark Smith with my second Mm. pick. Interesting. That was going to be my next pick. Weird how you (laughs) knew that. Um, So... I'm probably still looking for another guard, another ball handler, a shooter. Uh, so I'm going to pick Torrance Watson. Okay. Perfectly cromulent pick from Kyle there. Were we supposed to do like a snake? I don't know. Oh, well. We did it with football, but we... <laughs> we probably should have. <laughs> That's okay. I feel like I'm getting in an, an advantageous maybe position. A, maybe a little bit. That's okay. I, if I picked Tillman, you would have picked Geist and Mark Smith. Yeah. Okay. That's okay. Then. We should do it that way. Are you sure? Yes. We're going to flip-flop? Yep. I'm making an, an executive decision. Okay. Kyle now has Mark Smith. We made a trade <laughs> mid-draft. <laughs> this is janky. So now it's my pick. Yes. I Your don't, second pick. Yes. My second pick. Mark Smith is off the board, which sucks, but is, I think, the correct way to do it. Because I, I was going to get all the votes. You were going to get all the votes. <laughs> um... I don't know. Okay. Okay. I think I know what I want to do here. Okay. Please tell me. I am going to, with my second pick, choose Mitchell Smith. Ooh. Interesting. You're going big. Both your guys are 6'10". That's correct. <laughs> Mitchell Smith is uh, is a wing now, though. Holy cow. So uh, does that mean you have your third pick now? Right. Okay. And now is when I'm going to choose Torrance Watson. I guess I could have done it either way, but. Okay. You got some size. Some serious size. Uh, I've got two guards. I've got Jordan Geist and Mark Smith. I don't know if I really have an option here. i got to pick Kevin Perrier. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going straight small ball. <laughs> this, is, this is kind of a ridiculous matchup. Yeah. I don't think that. I could guard your team. I'm not. I don't know. Uh, but you've got. Two. I'm not sure that your team could guard the three. I don't. I don't know either. Uh, I think my team might have some turnover issues, and ball movement might be an issue because we don't really have a point guard. Um, I really liked the combination of I, my idea before we corrected things was to go <laughs> Tillman, Mark Smith, Mitchell Smith. I, yeah, I was really that gonna. Be, that was gonna. That'd be pretty good. What best case scenario? If you could just pick Alexander. three, best case scenario, Alexander. What would just like the three best players in this situation be? Tillman, Geist, and, and Mark, Mark Smith, Smith. Probably. That, if if we, I was like if you could enter them into a tournament, any three out of the lineup. Yeah, that would be it. I probably have to agree. And uh, got some size, shooting, and ball handling represented. Yeah. So we'll have to. Uh, you have to. We'll have to ask the. That's the, the folks. Yeah. What See do they, what think? they think? Yeah. I'm not going to... I won't campaign too hard, but I think... I don't know. I think I kind of got a raw deal on the football one. 
it was kind of a landslide. <laughs> I really wasn't expecting that, but well, Tillman. I don't think Kevin Perrier could guard Tillman. I I kind of have the same thought, but I feel like Kevin Perrier has done fairly well against like opposing teams in sure. the past when they've got like he's obviously undersized in pretty much yeah. any matchup he's ever had, and he has done okay. But I agree that j- most of the time Tillman probably gets the best of him. Yeah. But I don't see Mitchell Smith guarding Mark Smith either very well. <laughs> True. Like Mitchell Smith. <laughs> We're gonna play zone. Like Mitchell Smith has to guard zone. Jordan Geist or Mark Smith. He has to he has to guard one of them. Yeah. So, but I mean, he's got the length. Maybe <laughs> sure. maybe he like keeps him from just unleashing threes. I maybe. Don't know. All right. Well, we'll just have to let listeners the listeners decide. Absolutely. And. Uh, ball's life. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I sure hope not. Yeah. Exactly. Sure can. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, and Spotify. You can tweet us at Mizzou Sports One, and you can email us at Missouri Sports Pod at gmail.com. And you can find me on Twitter at C underscore Albert 08. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We will see you next week. And please don't forget to vote for my team, led by Mizzou basketball MVP choice, Jeremiah Tillman. And that's Cameron Albert, everybody. Yeah, vote for me.